So we're in Revelation chapter 22. We're going to end Revelation today. I'm both excited and a little depressed because I really liked it. Anyway, Revelation chapter 22. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 21. That's the, the ending of the book. And let's just start, let's just start by reading that passage. Revelation chapter 22, verse 6. It says, The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard, the, and, heard and saw these things. And when I, heard, when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had showed them to me. But he said to me, do, do not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the pro prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. And I'm not going to talk about that portion today. I just, just want to say that it basically means our attention needs to be on God. Don't be worried about what other people are doing. Let people be people. The righteous will be righteous. The ungodly will be ungodly. Our focus needs to be on Christ. Verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of water, of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from them, from that person, any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. So we're at the end of the book. It's, it's written like a letter. We're supposed to receive it, read it. We get to the end. This is the last thoughts. This is the end. This is, this is what I want to say. These are my parting comments, if you will. And so that's what we're going to look at. Before we look at the last parting comments, let's do a little context just to make sure we're thinking the right, in the right format. So number one, under context in your notes, God is showing... John, future events. So God is showing John future events. We're all on that. Nothing big there. We've talked about it. That's remained clear 
God is showing John future events, which he is expressing to present-day people. Okay, it's expressing them to present-day people. Now, we even fit into the category of present-day people because these events have not taken place yet. But John was describing to his peers, the people who were alive at that time, future events. He's also describing to us future events. And these events will not, excuse me, these people will not be present when they take place. So partway through, sometime in this book, you realize, oh, this is about a group of people that I will not be a part of because I'm already a believer. The believers are raptured. Unbelievers are left. That's God's first call to say, hey, now is the time to get right with me. I, I'm going to do some, some miraculous things and some wonderful things and some terrible things because I want you to understand that I'm calling you to repentance now. Time is short. And so this these future events are being told to present people who will not be present. We need to kind of have that in our mindset because what's being said is being said to the people reading it, not to the people living it necessarily. Some things are for the people living it. They can refer to it as they're living it, but it's mainly to the people reading it. So we have to hear it in that, in that mindset. Number two, God has revealed the final accomplishment of all his plans for humanity with a glimpse into the new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem. So last week we saw what the end game has been all about, what the, the final existence will look like. And we just got a tiny little view. And so real fast, you're going to have to write quickly here, A, there's a better earth. It's a better earth. Way better than the one we have now. B, there's a better relationship. Better relationship with God better relationship with others, and a better relationship with creation. See, the mansions and rooms that Jesus talked about are completed and assigned. So that their work is all done. When Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, it's prepared. And, and now it's present, and we have our living assignments. We have our, our quarters. And then D, wondrous interaction, existence, and experiences beyond imagination. Beyond imagination. I want to read a couple of passages that kind of talk about that. 1 Corinthians 2.9. We actually read that in the beginning. It says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. It says, The things of God prepared for those who love him. We haven't seen, heard, or conceived the things God has prepared for us. And so we need to have a mindset that it's, it's not even going to be that comparable. It'll be recognizable as the earth, but our existence will be so different. And then Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. God is already in the business of doing more than we can imagine, more than we can ask for, more than we can figure out in advance. He's already solving problems that seemed unsolvable, making provision that seemed unprovidable. He's already reaching people that seemed unreachable. He's already doing the God things, but it's going to be expanded, and I want us to have that in our minds. So continuing down in your notes, it says the last three things. Well, I started off with three. I really wanted three. Every pastor wants three-point sermon. It's just kind of in the rule book. It's in the back somewhere with an asterisk by it. I wanted three, 
Turns out, before I was done, there ended up being four. So you can scratch out the word three, and you can write four on there, and then everything will be good. I didn't realize I had not made that change until after I printed these. So last four things. And so I'm just going to pick out four things that are in the text. We'll look at them, and I want to talk about them. And the first one is the word soon. We have not understood the word soon correctly, at least in my lifetime. I have not heard it understood correctly. It's never quite made sense. And so I did a little deeper dive on that word to find out what was going on, and it's going to make a lot of sense to us. But where do we find the word soon? It's in 22.6. It says, The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to his servants, the things that must take place soon. Okay, soon. In 22.7, Jesus says, I am coming soon. And then in 22.12, it says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And so the word soon is there. And I looked, first of all, because, I mean, here's the problem. It's been 2,000 years. In whose vocabulary is 2,000 years soon? Now, some of you will automatically say, ah, there's that verse, a thousand a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So soon, it's only been two days in God years. But you also have to apply the reverse of that, and then it doesn't make sense anymore. And that phrase, a thousand years is as a day, that's for us to realize that God is not bound by time. He doesn't have a time limit. He, he, he's, he's never late. He's never early. He can step into time and out of time. He created time. So when we try to put a timeline on God, it doesn't work because God is not bound by any time limitations. So that's what that scripture means. So to apply it here doesn't make any sense. So we can't just say that. So then the question has to be asked, how can he say he's coming soon when it's been 2,000 years? Not a single person alive when this was written or a single person alive today or any person who lived in between thinks 2,000 years is soon. The, the ancient people before the flood lived 900 years. That was a long time. They didn't think 2,000 years was soon. So I've got to ask the question, what does this mean? Well, in a little Bible study training, how do we study the Bible? Well, the next step, when I see something that doesn't make any sense, my next step is to look at other translations. What does the King James say? What does the New American Standard say? What does the CEV say? What does the New King James say? What does the Amplified say? What does the Living say? And I've got a computer program on my computer that I can pull those up super fast and easy, which is great, and I can compare them side by side. Almost all of them said soon. One version said quickly, and that was the King James, if I remember correctly. And quickly is actually a better word than soon. So kudos to the King James this time. Quickly is a better word because quickly can have more than one meaning. Soon really only means soon. But neither one of them are correct. And, and I put a little, little note there for you. It's also translated quickly. But this was in an, in an effort for a word-for-word -word translation. And so I just want to say, I'm kind of stepping out of the, the text here for a second. A lot of people think word-for-word -word translations are the best. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes a thought-for-thought -thought translation is the best, and sometimes it's not. That's one of the, the wonderful things about living today is we have all these different translations, and we can compare. 
Well, in an effort to have a word-for-word translation, there was one word in the original, and they wanted one word in the, in the translation, so they picked the word soon. But it's better, this would have been a better situation to actually just, just put the definition of the word down and let us work from there where we get where we need to go faster. So in your notes, the word translated soon is taku. And since none of you know Greek, I'm just going to go with that. I, have, I could be pronouncing it really badly. We're just going to call it taku. And we'll laugh at it because it sounds like taco. But the word is T-A-C-H-U, taco, if you will. But it literally means without unnecessary delay. Without unnecessary delay. So three words, which give us a lot more information than the word soon does. Continuing on with A, or it would apply in our context according to God's timeline according to God's timeline. So, let's reread those verses and let's apply that meaning to the word soon. So, 22.6, um, the, the, the things that are coming, things that must take place without delay. The things that must take place according to God's timeline. The things that, will, that must take place on schedule. Okay? I am coming without delay. I am coming on God, in God's timeline. Okay? Look, I am coming when God prepared, when God ordained, according to the master plan. Now, all of a sudden, there's no, there's no problem, because 2,000 years could easily fit into God's master plan. It could be 3,000 years. It could be 10,000 years. It could be 50,000 years. Who knows? But now, all of a sudden, we're not standing around judging God's definition of the word soon, we're looking at what was actually written down, and we're saying, oh, so everything that we've read is going to happen according to God's plan, on God's schedule, fulfilling his sovereign will. So the rapture will take place exactly when God has ordained it to take place. Each and every one of the, the seals will be broken, the trumpets will be sounded, and the bulls will be poured out exactly as God has them in his timing. There will never be one coming out too early or one coming out too late. The end will come. The, the thousand-year reign will take place. The, the new heavens and the new earth will, will, will be shown to us. Judgment will have been completed all in God's timing. So whatever he's waiting for, that's what we're waiting for. And so we, we, don't, we shouldn't read this. It shouldn't have been translated this way. And it, it's all over in here, the word soon. It should be communicating that when God's ready for this to happen, it will happen. Quickly is a better word than soon because quickly means it will, it will come upon us. That thief in the night attitude. Like we don't know he's coming, so we need to be ready. Okay? So that was a soon there be in your notes. The emphasis of the term is on the nature of Jesus' return, not the schedule. The nature of his return, it will be perfect timing. It will be the exact time that God has planned. He's never early, and he's never late. And neither will any of these prophecies be fulfilled early or late. So C, now that we know that, now we understand the response. The proper response to Revelation is come. Verse 17, let those who, who hear say come. And that come, there's an attitude in that come. So Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? When the time is right, I'll be here. When the Father has ordained, I'll show up. 
When, when the last person is going to be saved before the rapture gets saved, the rapture will take place. When the thousand years are ended and Satan is released, that's on schedule. The new heaven and the new earth, on schedule. The relationship we're going to have together, on schedule. And our response is, come. And there's, a, there's an implied, as soon as possible, please. So John's response when he sees all this is, the sooner the better. The sooner the better. And really, that should be our response. We should be excited about the rapture. We should be excited about the millennial kingdom. We should be excited about tribulation. We should be excited about the new heaven and the new earth. We should be saying, Lord, anytime you want, I'm ready. If it's, if it's the time you've ordained, I'm so happy to be alive at that time. Go right ahead. Lord, if it's going to be uh, uh, several thousand years from now, that's okay too. Still, I'm ready. Come, Lord Jesus, come. So that's the first thing. It's, it's soon, but that soon means according to God's schedule. Not whatever my mind tells me is within the time frame of soon. So number two, the word keeps comes up, and we've got to do a little investigating here too. Verse 7 and verse 9, it says, Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy. In verse 9, it says, But he said to me, uh, Don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you. Talking about bowing to worship. So I'm a fellow servant with you and the fellow prophets and all who keep the words of the scroll. Keep can mean several things. You could probably figure this one out on your own. It's not that complicated. But to keep something could be to, to uh, you know, not lose it. It could mean to protect it. But here it means, well, let's look at A. The meaning of the word keep in this passage is to pay attention to. And the CEV, that's how it's translated. That's the best translation of all the ones I looked at for this word. Pay attention to. It also can mean believe. That's what goes in your blank. And it can also mean to look forward to. We kind of combine those thoughts. So blessed, or happier, or better off, better off is the one who pays attention to the words of this prophecy. Better off is the one who believes the words of this prophecy. Better off is the one who looks forward to the words of this prophecy. And so we have studied it. And if we believe what we've heard and read and studied, we believe what God has said, we're better off. Our, our lives are better. Our mindset is better. Our faith is better. We, we will be, be blessed in some way simply by believing it. We're not going to live through it, but believing it still benefits us. So blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy. There's really not much for us to obey. It doesn't say... Um, in light of what's coming, you need to do this. Like, uh, uh, gather stashes of food and hide them for the people that will still be here. It doesn't say anything like that. A lot of it is just, this is something to hear and understand and contemplate and then praise God for. And again, B, in your notes, the proper response to this information is also come. I'm believing it, I'm accepting it, I'm looking forward to it, I'm paying attention to it. And my response, because of who God is... And what he's going to accomplish is come. God, you're going to show yourself to the world in super obvious ways? Now! Let's do it right now. Now's a great time. I know people that really need a display of you so they can see you. Come now. And so that's the attitude. So our attitude at the end of this book should be come now. Come anytime. Come quickly. 
Whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Uh, don't hold back because of me. I, I, I'm looking forward th- for this to happen. Number three in your notes, we're going to look at verse 12 and, and verse 15. We're going to compare a couple things, so let me read this. I'll read 12 through 15. It says, Look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So that verse, those two verses right there, let's talk about that. It says, I will give to each person according to what they have done. What does that sound like? It sounds like the great white throne judgment. We've already read that. It sounds just like I'm going to give to them according to what they've done. Then verse 13, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. He's saying, I'm God, I can do this. So look, I'm coming soon. I'm coming in my timing, in my perfect timing. My reward is going to come with me, and I will give the reward to each person according to what they have done. Verse 14, blessed are those who wash, who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the holy city. Blessed are those who are, we'd call, saved. Okay? The persons who are getting these rewards. Verse 15 then says, outside are the dogs. Those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. That sounds also like the great white throne judgment. That sounds like the other books. The books that, that record the deeds of man, and then man is judged according to those deeds. So we have here a black and white situation. Black and white, where you're either inside which is with me, you're inside, in the reward, where where Christ is rewarding you, or you're outside, black and white, just like the wheats and the tares. There's no middle ground between wheats and the tares. The wheats and the tares don't cross-pollinate and and make up wares or something. There's no nothing there. It's like the sheep and the goats. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. There's no middle ground there. You're either in the book of life or in the other book. There's no middle book. And now you're either inside, you're with Jesus, or you're outside. And, and it's another picture stating clearly, it's, it's one or the other. There's no in-between. There, there's, there's, it's, it's all in or all out. Okay? And so in your notes, the with me, A, with me, and I just underline that because those are words that, that kind of clued me in here. With me is our heavenly reward. Jesus is bringing the reward. We'll be with him. With Jesus is our heavenly reward in eternity in direct relationship with God. So the inside is in a direct relationship with God. I don't know what it would be like to have a conversation with God. Do you? I haven't got a clue. Adam, Eve, they're the only ones that ever experienced that. An unadulterated, unveiled conversation with God. Creator and creation. I don't know what that's going to be like, but that's, that's what we have to look forward to. And those are the ones who are with Jesus on the inside. B, outside, the word they used in 15, outside is hell. And, and, and don't think of the cartoon hell. Hell is the literal place where God has zero positive, direct contact or interpersonal relationship. You can't say it's where God isn't because God is everywhere. And even in hell, God will be in charge. When he hands out the judgments, he will make sure they are fulfilled. So God is, God is going to be overseeing hell, but it will not be a personal relationship. 
It will not be something positive. It will not be something we look forward to. Zero positive, direct contact or interpersonal relationship. It's often called eternal, eternal separation or eternal darkness. There's no longer a chance to get saved. There's no more blessings. There's, there's no being sanctified by someone around you. There's no good things happening. You're either with God where all the good stuff is, or you're outside where all the bad stuff is. And as it says, your dogs practice magic art, sexual immorality. It's the sinners. So see, even here in the closing comments, in the epilogue, God is restating the facts of belief in eternity. This is where we need to realize that God is talking to us, and he's talking to these the people who read this the first time it was delivered, and not to the people who are reading it because they're living it out. This, in the time frame, we're past, we're, we're after judgment. And he's saying to the people reading this, hey, while you still have time, don't forget, you're either a wheat or a tear. You're either a sheep or a goat. You're either in the book of life or you're in the other books. You're either on the inside or you're on the outside. And so God, after displaying himself and all the majesty and all the miraculous things, describing the, the new city of Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, all these things are happening, he stops and he says, by the way, don't forget, it's either heaven or hell. And it would behoove you to choose now. It would behoove them to choose before the rapture, before the tribulation begins. So that's number three. Number four, we get verse 18 and 19. It says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy in this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which is described in the scroll. And so, what does that mean? It, it, who's it written to? What are we supposed to take from that? Well, in this case, I, I look back and I go, well, I've heard this before. This is not, this is not a new-sounding statement. Where else have we heard this before? So, there's a couple of scriptures in your notes. You can look at them later. Deuteronomy 4.2 says, don't add to or subtract from the Word of God. Deuteronomy 12.32 says, uh, don't add or take away from anything. So very familiar language, the same command. God says, don't, don't change what I've given you. Okay? Proverbs 35 and 6 gives the same command but adds to it. Okay, it says, if you add to his words, he will rebuke you. So now we have, uh, you're getting a little attention from God because you've added to it. And so this is a re repeated command and a repeated warning. And so see, how do we look at this? This could be, or this could simply be a consistent warning not to change God's word. Consistent because it's in the old and it moves on through the Bible and we have it here in the new. So it's consistent. It's not changing over time. God never allowed you to change his word and he never will allow you to change his word. It's consistent. And that makes a lot of sense because it's written to us. And the warning to us, the people who are living now reading this, not in the tribulation, not after that, leading to us, don't change God's word. And that's pretty relevant because we have a lot of people changing God's word. We have a lot of people leaving things out that shouldn't be left out. We've got a lot of people adding things. So it's a consistent warning. Or, still in your notes, 
this could be a specific warning to those who will be alive in the tribulation because they will have access to this as well. And God looking forward says, hey, don't be changing this. Don't, don't be rewriting scripture. And then, of course, I already gave away because it's in your notes. Most likely it's both. God is saying to us, don't change anything. Don't rewrite it. Don't soften it down. Don't make it harder. Whatever you think needs to be done, just leave it alone. It's what I wrote. It's what I want. God's word is perfect. Leave it alone. And he's saying to the people who might be reading this later on during the tribulation, hey, uh, don't be changing it then. If you do, that's, you know, you're going to be going through this. You're going to be living out these plagues because you don't belong to me. And the plagues often fall on the unbeliever, mostly in the tribulation period. So what are, what are the last words? The first thing is, it's going to happen on my timeline. It's going to happen when I'm ready. This is God speaking. It's going to happen according to my sovereign will. Your job is to be ready. Your job is to share. Your job is to prepare. But I'll come when I'm ready. And when I come, I'm, I'm coming fast. It's going to happen. He says, keep the words of my prophecy. Understand them. Believe them. Look forward to them. This is going to happen. You have my word on it. Your job is to make sure you're on the inside, not on the outside, because those are the only two choices. And if anyone adds to or takes away, there's going to be judgment. I'm going to respond to that. We say, what would they add or take away? Well, you, you can add things like, there'll be another chance. Uh, maybe we'll call it purgatory. Maybe we'll call it something else. There'll be another chance when, when you have a, a better understanding. God wouldn't really do that. Um, God, God won't do this. I mean, we just add, take away. We try to soft sell it, make it better for someone else. He says, don't do that. At the end of your notes, now that we're at the end of Revelation, what am I supposed to do? Now that we're at the end, what am I supposed to do? Well, number one, we don't want to forget the first section where we read the letters to the seven churches. So number one, we want to guard the church against the failures of the Revelation churches and strive for their successes. Guard the church. Strive for its success. We don't want to fall into the traps that they fell into. We do want to strive for the successes that they had. One of those is lifting up the word of God, making sure it doesn't change. One is, is realizing that it's either heaven or hell, and we have the opportunity to, to lead others to heaven. Now, they may not have that opportunity later. Number two... What am I supposed to do? Confirm in my mind by faith that God is working his plans and will accomplish his goals. He is doing this, and he will accomplish his goals. He laid it out for us and told us in detail how it's going to work with, with a timeline attached to it. And he said it will happen like this in this order. Here will be the end results. He's just letting us know I'm, I'm not flying by the seat of my pants. I'm not hoping it works out in the end. This is exactly how it will be. Number three, I'm supposed to try to reach as many people now before the rapture so they don't have to live in it. I should be trying to reach as many people now before the rapture. Or, if we think the rapture is far off, we should be trying to reach as many people before they die because it's still black and white. It's sheep or goats, wheat or tares, inside or outside. Number four, make sure I'm reading, listening to, and watching only those teachers who stick to and uphold God's word without changing or manipulating it. Without changing or manipulating it. Now, I, I have said up front that 
there are some things I could be wrong on. I don't know which ones they are because obviously I think I'm right because I'm teaching it to you. Right? But if I get to heaven and, and God says, you got that wrong, I'm not going to argue with him. I will accept that now. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. That's not changing or manipulating. That's interpreting it and getting something wrong. Changing or manipulating is, is, is adding to the Bible. I'm going to add works to salvation. I'm going to add another book you need to read and believe. I'm going to add some other doctrines that you need to follow. Or I'm going to take something away and say, well, you know, salvation is eventually going to come to everybody. Or, you know what, there's no hell. God won't send anyone to hell. We'll, everyone will just, they'll just cease to exist. Their bodies will rot, and that'll be the end of it. There's no hell. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it around. That's the manipulating we're talking about. That's the manipulating of, of reading promises from Scripture that aren't in Scripture. Like, if you, if you say to God, you have to do this, He will. The name it and claim it kind of thing. The prosperity kind of thing. Even the poverty thing. Where you, you, you make such an emphasis over a small part where you ignore all the rest. That's manipulating the scripture. Proof texting and, and, and finding things in there that were never intended to be there. We guard the church. We strive for success. We believe God is doing what he said he would do. That gives us encouragement that the promises will also come to pass. We try to reach as many as we can now because it's not going to be better in the future. It's not going to be better in the future. And this is their opportunity. And we make sure that we're following people who are preaching God's word. Their, their text is the scripture. They're looking to scripture to find the truth. And, and you know, we had this discussion in our life group. There's, there's some really respected people that don't agree on everything. Really highly respected people that don't agree on everything. Doesn't mean we shouldn't listen because we don't agree, but it means we compare it to the Bible and we listen because they're talking about the Bible. We'll gain stuff. So watch out for the manipulators. Watch out for the changers. But by all means, listen to people that are teaching God's word. And that's the end of the book. Kind of thought there should be fireworks or something. <laughs> but this is what God asked for us. This is what he says. And so that's what we're going to leave with. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Most of all, I think that I'm most thankful that you keep your word. That what you say will happen. There will be a time in the future where, where the dwelling place of God is among man. And that relationship that only Adam and Eve ever knew is restored. And this time, the earth is even better than it was the first time. And it's, it's so incredible that we can't imagine it we can't comprehend it, and trying to explain it is probably not worth our time and effort. We just need to trust you. And you've already displayed how much creativity you have with all the animals you created and just the way things are now. I can't wait for, for the best. And the best is yet to come. Thank you that you give us a lifetime to realize that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Thank you that you give the last people that are going to live on this earth, the, the, the rapture and the tribulation, so they can, they can have that final understanding. Thank you, Lord, that, that the people during the thousand reign have, have that opportunity. Lord, now while we're here, help us to stick true to your word, help us to share the gospel, and help us to have faith in you. You're the only one that won't let us down. 
I pray that as we leave here today, we'll, we'll just marvel in these things, maybe talk about them over lunch. And I ask that you just guide us in life. Help us to see the divine appointments you have for us, the opportunities to share the gospel, ways that we can serve you as a church and as individuals. Help us not to lose our first love. Help us not to chase after uh, doctrines of demons or philosophies built on man, so many things that have come up. Lord, help us to walk faithfully with you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.